microphone back down into the pulpit. I've done it pretty regularly since I've been here, honestly. <laughs> anyway, um, did anyone get nervous when they saw the, the title of the sermon this morning? Nobody? It's total depravity, which is one of the uh, tenets of... Uh, well, it's actually the tenets of a tradition I come out of, to be honest, is it's uh, one of those things that hyper-Calvinists will often talk about, tulip, the five points of Calvinism, one of which is total depravity. And I'll be completely honest with you. I'm not sure if I'm a Calvinist or not. It's no longer my argument. I don't care. I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian in an Anabaptist tradition. I don't care if God chose us or we chose God or whatever, because I can't know. What I do know is Jesus loves you, and that's what I'm going to dig into. But I think that this tenet of, I don't know, there's a reason why so many people lean into these concepts like total depravity. When I read the Bible, I see that mankind is totally and completely depraved. Aside from God, we have no holiness within ourselves. And that seems to be true throughout time, throughout cultures. Human beings are just corrupt. We are completely and totally corrupt. And as we go into this Lenten season, a season of repentance, a season where we deprive ourselves of things, traditionally, I don't know if you're doing this too, but where you find things that are getting in the way of your relationship with God and you deprive yourself of it. I know there's some people that are very close to me who are not drinking caffeine, and I would say that she seems to be doing pretty well with it. Is she happy? Not particularly. Not particularly happy at all, because she may or may not have an addiction to Dr. Pepper. Um, but we give up these things that we have made into many idols sometimes. And sometimes they're not dangerous in themselves, like delicious sodas or what have you. But you just pick something. That's too important. And as I was looking into, well, how do, we, how do we start Lent? Well, we start Lent by seeing why do we need Jesus? Well, we need Jesus because we can't do this without Jesus. We are completely and totally incapable of being even remotely good. And there is most of Scripture points to that, actually. I know I really was trying to get some verses from Old Testament, New Testament, if you read the entire New Testament, it proves the point I'm trying to make. If you read the entire New Testament, it proves the point that I'm trying to make. There's only one good person in the entire Bible, and that's Jesus. Everybody else is a flawed misfit of a human being. Joseph was pretty good, but he was still kind of arrogant. Like, nobody is good but Jesus. And that's continued to be true throughout life. You've got people that God uses mightily. You've got people that you love. We're supposed to be Christ-like, right? I'm not saying that everybody is, is scary and keep your distance. What I'm saying is, is we need to have grace with each other because we're all so tragically flawed. And I know that I've said all of these things before, and I'll say them again because sometimes it takes us a while to catch on. For me, too. It's not that I'm preaching these concepts because I haven't mastered. It's because when I read it, it hits. Right here. It hits me. I'm just like, oh, I'm still struggling with this. I bet a lot of people are. 
One of the things that I wanted to include, though, is I didn't just want to beat up on us and say, well, you know, we fell in the beginning. God gave people one rule and they couldn't follow it, which is still kind of true. And I brought this up before and I'll bring it up again because I like to repeat myself. I teach sixth grade, you know. Um, But Adam and Eve had one rule. That was it. Just one rule. Recognize that God is God. He can tell you what to do. And that's it. That's it. That's all you had to do. He made it real simple. Don't eat from that tree. Right? Just don't do that one thing. Acknowledge that there is a God and don't do that one thing. Every sin that has happened since then is exactly the same. Where I am like, no, I'm God right now. I know I'm not supposed to do this, but I'm going to be God right now. And you may not view it that way, but I need you to. I really need you to. Every time we sin willfully, we are saying, I am God right now. I will be as God. It is the original sin. It never changed. You can be like, oh, I sin in this way. We all sin in ways. Some of us have a penchant to sin in different ways than other, but we have to recognize that what we do when we sin is we say, I will be as God. And then we just walk in it. It's a lot more dangerous than we give it credit for. I hope I said that right. I don't know. When I listen to my audio, it's traumatic sometimes. I leave out little words and I'm just, eh, anyway, not important. It's not about me, I hope. Um, But every now and again, I'll say something and be like, was that how that was supposed to be phrased? I'll cry about it later. It'll be fine. Um, (laughs) But not only just beating up on ourselves because we're flawed. Because we're flawed. All of us, we're flawed. We care deeply about things that sometimes we shouldn't care about at all. We don't care about things that break the heart of God, which should concern us as well. Right? It shouldn't take someone sending me videos to remind me that human life is precious. Yet I've found myself in that position recently where I've grown so callous to world events that it actually took a brother in Christ sending me videos of people dying for me to remember, oh my gosh, this breaks my heart. And you're just like me in that way, I'm sure. Things just become mundane, routine. If you live in the city, you get used to walking by homeless people. It's just what happens. We become calloused. And we shouldn't be. Because shocking as it may be, The guy you step over on your way to the store is beloved of Jesus just as much as you are, right? The guy his 10th time in rehab, Jesus loves him just as much as me, right? The person who worships wrong, and I'm going to say that because I believe they worship wrong. The people of a different religion who are being blown up, Jesus loves those people. Just as much as he loves you. This should bother us, right? It should bother us. Can we do anything about it? Not always, but it should bother us. We should pray about it. We should try to send them meat. Whatever it is that is within our capability, we should do it. You can sign a letter once in a while. It doesn't hurt you. It doesn't hurt you. Endorsing a cause also doesn't always mean that you're jumping head and shoulders in with a political position. 
because I would highly recommend that you jump, don't jump head and shoulders into any political position. Just going to put that out there. I think that we should be working towards living out a Christian life to the best of our abilities. If that involves voting, do it. If that involves serving, do it. But we should be following Christ, not following the people with the best ideas, but following Jesus. Because ultimately, Jesus is the one with the best ideas. Everything else is kind of a mockery in comparison. But I didn't want to just focus on the fact that we're, we're corrupt and we're horrible and everything is bad because we're corrupt and we're horrible and everything is bad. But everything is also quite good. There's a duality here. Jesus loved you so much in your depravity. That's the, the part we need to focus on. It's not just that we're scum. We know we're scum. I have a mirror. I've seen it. I've seen what I do. But think about it like this. Jesus loved you within your own depravity. He didn't wait for you to get clean to love you. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So in the midst of our filth and our shame and our horrible, and uh, I hope my kids never find out about this moments, Jesus died for you in it. Right then. He didn't wait for you to be okay. He died for you while you were a mess. And he loved you while you were a mess. Because he saw value in you while you were a mess. Isn't that wonderful news? Because none of us are okay. We're becoming okay over time. As we dig into Jesus, as we become more Christ-like, that's the only semblance of okay that we seem to have. Am I alone in noticing that? We're not okay. We're, we're okay, but we're not okay. You know? <laughs> Aside from Christ, aside from the value that Christ has given us, what value do we have? Honestly, it's the fact that Jesus loves the little children. You ever notice how many biblical truths you find in little kids' songs? Jesus loves the little children, all the little children of the world. It's probably inappropriate at this point to call them by the colors in the song, but I'm going to go ahead anyway. I don't hate you enough to censor myself. Red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in his sight. If you're offended by that song, you are the problem. There's nothing racially wrong about that song. It's that Jesus loves you and that we're all equal. If that is offensive, you will deal with it. It's okay. We're all broken. Jesus loved you so much. God loved you so much that he sent his only begotten son that whomsoever would believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. It is not on your own merits. There is nothing you did, can do, will do that will earn your way into heaven because you don't have the ability. But I guarantee you want to go. So all you have to do is say, I am weak. I need Jesus. Why is that the hardest thing you will ever do in life? That's a real question. Why is giving up control of a situation you have no control over the hardest thing in life? That's a question for me, too. I don't have it figured out. I'm trying to take back control of my life constantly. I guarantee so are you in little ways. Now, don't really raise your hand just in case law enforcement's watching the live stream. But how many of you drive over the speed limit? Think about it. How many of you drive over the speed limit? 
yet were commanded to obey the laws of the land. Did that one not matter? Right? How many of you throw soda cans out the window of your car? Again, don't raise your hand. Any of you ever shot an extra deer? Definitely. Don't answer that out loud. We're all depraved. Did you claim that extra thing on your taxes? There is something that would catch each and every one of us. Something. Did you think horrible thoughts about that person who was talking to you at the grocery store? It could be that simple. We're all depraved. We all need Jesus. Each and every one of us. But I want to leave us on the Beatitudes, which is in Matthew 5. Is that where I want to leave us? I think it is. <laughs> no, I want to be in Matthew 6. I changed from the Beatitudes to the Lord's Prayer when I was planning this. Forgive me. I got a time warp. I do that a lot. We could do the Beatitudes too, though. Those fit. But we're, we're going to go ahead with the Lord's Prayer. That's in Matthew 6. Sorry about that. 9. Matthew 6, verse 9. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Holy is your name, right? God is holy. We're not holy. God is holy. Your kingdom come, your will be done. God's will be done because I don't know what I'm talking about. It took me 40 years to realize that I'm clueless. Why did it take me so long to realize that at my best, I'm pretty dumb? On earth as it is in heaven, give us today our daily bread. Meet my needs today. Tomorrow has enough worries of its own. Lord, help me meet my needs today. And forgive our debts as we forget our de forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. God doesn't lead us into temptation. He can keep me from being led into temptation. Sometimes you have to cut full people out of your life to avoid temptation. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. There are people that were very important to me 20 years ago that I may never speak to on this side of eternity again. Because it's toxic. And it isn't because I hate them. It's because... Sometimes you have to weed things out of your life. And sometimes that takes the form of people, not because Jesus doesn't love them. Pray for those people. But at the same time, I have no business hanging out with people that deal drugs. None. We can talk at the grocery store. I have no business hanging out with people that deal drugs. I have no business hanging around people that are violent. Because at my core, I have a terrible temper. It's terrible. I can get violent very quickly. So it's very important not to surround myself with people who glorify punching people in the face. And it isn't because Jesus loves them less. It's because I recognize I need to remove these things from my life. They probably haven't noticed either, so it's okay. Anyway. And this is really, really important. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. That is hard. 
Forgiveness, we treat it like it's a one and done. I guarantee you, if someone did something to you and you're just like, oh, I forgive you, you're probably going to have to forgive them again the next day. Because it's not like those feelings all just died. You're like, but I forgave them. Forgive them again. It's a journey. You might not know how deeply they hurt you. It could be unwinding, but we are required. If that offense is there, you're going to have to forgive them again and again and again sometimes. And hopefully people will have enough patience with me to forgive me again and again and again sometimes. Because if I haven't offended you yet, wait. That isn't something I'm taking pride in. I'm just saying, I've met me. I'm really good at offending people on accident. Sometimes on purpose, really good at doing it on accident. If I offend you, let me know. And please exercise forgiveness towards me. Because you need it. And I need it. But most importantly, you need it. Sometimes people are offended and I don't even know. And I know that's a two-way street. People have offended me to my core and had no idea. And they had no idea. And I was mad for years. And they had no idea. So who was really hurt? This guy. They didn't know until I told them later. But it's important that we forgive one another the same way that God forgives us. God forgives us for so much. I need to be able to forgive people for little things, even big things. Again, though, when we forgive things, it doesn't make it so that it didn't happen, right? There are people that I am friends with even that I would never want to be around my child. Right? The fact that I forgive them and I love them doesn't make them an ideal babysitter. Right? There's people that I love and that I forgive that I don't want around my wife because I don't want the nonsense coming out of their mouth to get transferred onto me. You ever have one of those friends that says horrible, horrible things and you're worried that your spouse is going to think that you agree with them? Mm -mm. <laughs> Not inviting that. But it doesn't mean we don't forgive them. It doesn't mean that we hold it against them. What it means is that we exercise some caution. But at the same time, we shouldn't be holding grudges. We shouldn't be holding back from loving one another. There are certain things that we cannot be a part of as individuals, and we know what they are usually. There are certain things that we're just not equipped to do or that may be difficult for us because of sins in our own life or in our own past. And sometimes you have to just not be a part of it. But what we're absolutely required to do is forgive as God forgives us. And it even goes as far as to say, oh goodness, in verse 14, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly father will also forgive you. That's huge. I am in huge need of forgiveness. I don't want to ever give God a reason not to forgive me. So I must strive to forgive others. Is it going to go perfectly? Of course not. I'm a person. I'm a person that does person-y, people-y things. It's not good. But that's what we're called to. It doesn't take away what God said just because I don't want to. Unfortunately, that's not how it works. 
Actually, quite fortunately, that's not how it works because that would decay quickly. So in closing, oh goodness, I'm ahead of the power curve, you guys. Never mind, not important. There's a clock going on my phone because I'm recording. Thought that was going to take me a lot longer than it did. Okay. Um, in closing, though, I think it's important for us to realize that we are completely and totally depraved. Right? We are not capable of being good. That's really important to know. Because it helps us to be more forgiving. And it helps us to be more reliant on Jesus, the one that loved us so much, the one that makes us valuable, the one that gives us purpose. It's all about Jesus. It needs to be all about Jesus for his glory, for the growth of his kingdom, for his glory. It cannot be about us. So if you can, um, without pain, please stand with me. Father God, I thank you for your holiness, for your love, for your forgiveness, for the way that you modeled how a human life should be lived. Father God, I pray that you would help us to press into you, to press into your grace, into your forgiveness, and to extend that grace and forgiveness to the world around us. Father God, we acknowledge that you are holy, holy above all things, and that we are not. I thank you and I praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.